Welcome to Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined for the post-mortem edition of the Netfront Presence by Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman, the hardworking beat reporters. Well, well JT, um, all in all, despite the team's exit uh, unceremoniously against Colorado, uh, pretty upbeat session uh, with the Chief, Doug Armstrong, and the Blues uh, in terms of uh, you know where they feel the team is. I don't know. I came away feeling like, okay, all hope is not lost. Yeah, I, I just look at where they were last year at this time. They had uh, been ousted for the the uh, second year in a row in the first round and 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 looked like a junior team playing against Colorado. Swept in four games, outscored twenty to seven. The Blues had led for like seven minutes and change in the entire series last year. And going back to the Edmonton bubble as a, as a, as a franchise, they are one game below 500 from the start of the Edmonton bubble. And as you've mentioned before, it looked like they were no longer relevant and that they were falling off the map. Well, they're back on, they're back on the map. They're, they're a top 10 team again. Uh, they had a very tough draw in, in Minnesota and Colorado. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're not going to lose a lot of guys. It's basically a three person off season, Letty Perron and, and, uh, Huso. And I, I, I think there's a real good chance they'll have at least one of those three back, maybe two of those three. So yeah, they're, they're back on uh, sturdy footing, uh, at least for this year. Uh, it, it could be a little different in two years when they have a lot more contract come up but uh but uh yeah i they're, they're definitely they're definitely uh st louis blues hockey is definitely back in business uh during the playoffs you look at things and when there's 16 teams in the first round you say that's a lot of teams but once it, when it gets to eight all of a sudden you look at like the list of games and you say not a whole lot of teams left and so getting to the last eight really kind of moves you know, it's, it separates you it puts you in a different group and the blues were able to do that you know they had the misfortune they caught an extremely good uh, Colorado Avalanche team, could well be the Stanley Cup champions. This would have been a good year to be in the Pacific Division rather than the Central and the Western Conference. Um, but, you know, the way that, and they didn't finish on the highest of notes in that series. It would have, you know, offense didn't really sparkle. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, as Baruby said, you know, they had 109 if they, during the season, they easily could have had, 116 if a few things go a little differently in in some games and they play a little better in some ways um so they, they can they can be there and yes and it's a team that should return basically intact yeah jt you know listening to um you know especially you know doug armstrong talk we, we know that david prawn wanted to return and wants to return his family's happy here obviously he needs to get paid but if if Doug was trying to somehow drive down his value by um, by, by dismissing his value to the group, well, he did a poor job of it. I mean, it was uh, quite the opposite. It was quite the uh, you know quite a rec hearty recommendation that, that Doug gave, and and a, and a hugely positive appraisal of, of David. It makes you think that you know, barring something unusual, I I, I got to think this team finds a way to get it done. Everybody loves David Perron. The media loves David Perron. The players love David Perron. Denver. Uh, Denver does not love David Perron. Okay, there you go. There you go. And, but, you know, the coach and, and, and Armstrong. Armstrong loves him. So, uh, you know, 
you, you have the feeling they're going to find a way to make this happen. We all know that the issues are one is the term. And it's not like you're going to throw a five-year contract at a 34-year-old player. Even though he's a 34-year-old player playing as well as he ever has. And, uh, you know, the amount of money. I mean, the, the cap is what the cap is. And the, the Blues are just a little bit under $10 million. And when you look at the three guys, I mean, uh, they, they're not going to be able to. Uh, they're not going to be able to, to to sign all three unless they move some other money, and I don't know what they might uh, uh, they might move there. So it depends how much does David Perron want. He, he could probably get more in the open market even at age thirty four if he wants. But uh, you know, I'm thinking, boy, if they could get him three years, twelve million, uh, uh, the Doug Doug Armstrong probably would be running the uh, contract over to Perron's place uh, right now. Yeah, yeah, I've been struggling all year with what that deal looks like. I got to think in the Blues' heart of hearts, they they would like to give him a two-year deal. In some ways, they might want to give him a one-year deal, and then they can come back with a over thirty-five contract for the following year. But a two-year deal, just because once he gets to thirty-six, boy, though, I mean, David Perron is thirty-four, going on thirty. It seems. I mean, he is the one guy that has you know figured out how to stop the clock. Um, but the clock eventually is going to catch up. But, you know, right now, you know, yeah, I mean, he, I'm sure if, if a three-year deal would be music to Perron's ears, but I, I, I don't, I think Armstrong is going to have really, uh, have a tough internal struggle uh, to do that. Yeah, the old issue, uh, guys, if he gets the third year, then the, the per year, the AAV has got to come down a bit to make it, you know, uh, acceptable in the near term to help him be good next year and then you're going to live with the results of the third year if you go two years you might have to give them more money and of course that then that creates a near-term cap problem so uh it, it is an interesting dilemma um but not one that seems insurmountable in, in the grand scheme of things because uh he is so far and away your top priority uh to to try to keep the group together for another run just because jt as they talk about you know you want to you want to make it in the playoffs. You you know you're going to be good enough to reach the postseason next year, in all likelihood, barring catastrophic injuries. But David's the kind of guy that helps you in the postseason. It makes a big difference in the postseason. He lives for it. Yeah, as uh, as uh, Justin Fox said uh, in talking about Perron, he's he's not afraid of the moment. He embraces the moment, and uh, the old cliche about dragging the team into the fight. I mean, that's uh, that's David. Uh, Perron. I mean, you, you, and the fear is you keep thinking sooner or later, as Tom said, father time undefeated in life and in hockey. And, uh, that, you know, what if he just next year's the year he hits the wall or the year after that, and maybe you don't think it's going to happen. And the other thing, and, uh, Armstrong did mention this, he made reference to, he didn't call it a concussion, but he made a uh, reference to the injury that had everybody worried. And, uh, you know, he got that concussion in Chicago the day after, uh, uh, Thanksgiving and it, uh, you know, knocked him out of 11 games and, and he wasn't quite right for a while after that. And remember during the cup year, he had a concussion that, uh, that knocked him out even longer. And then of course we know the, the way back predating me, the, uh, you know, the concussion that, uh, basically cost him a season. So I'm sure that's in the blues mind when they're considering, uh, you know, do we go three years or, or how much do we extend ourselves to, 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 to try to uh, bring them back? Yeah. And the one thing is also is that I, the dollars are relatively smaller. He's making 4 million 
now or his, his AAV is 4 million. He's not getting a raise. And so four is, you know, top and is probably going to be the number about that he would come back at or that he's going to get. I don't think anyone's going to give him five any, if he were to go on the market. So it's weird to say four million. It's a smaller number. He's not one of these six and a half million dollar guys. So is it three versus four? You know, is, is that a little more uh, easier for the Blues to, to bite off if that's something that they're going to have to you know, deal with? Well, JT, another issue that came up and it really was not addressed in any significant way, but other than uh, and he's on the team, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, you know, we, we spent much of the year in the net front uh, first, uh, you know, wondering how it was going to play out and then marveling at how well it played out. But uh, he's under contract for another year at relatively speaking, team friendly dollars coming off of a peak performance year. You know, my, my thought is, you know, just use him like a rental player, you know, um, you know, you getting this is the type of guy you would add at the trade deadline with an expiring contract. Uh, I can live if I'm a playing GM here with having an expiring contract if it's a good player and uh, and it's going to help you win next year. And I think it, it would seem that's where the team is what it's thinking. I guess I'd be surprised if he got an extension, particularly just you know, again, after you know, the, the backstory and such. But I would not be surprised to see him just play it out as a as a rental. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, again, that maybe that's not ideal, but uh, and, and we don't know how it's gotten to this point. This isn't the first time that that uh, Armstrong has basically said the whole trade thing is is over. It's it's not an issue. And I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's uh, uh, Tarasenko saying, boy, I have Robert Thomas to feed me the puck. The fans adore me and I'm surrounded by Russian teammates, uh, which is an added uh, uh, bonus. Uh, you know, what reason does he, and Baruby loves him. Baruby constantly praises him and constantly uh, seeks out his advice. He's, he's kind of a consulary now uh, status <laughs> for, uh, for uh, Baruby. And so <clears throat> if he wants to be mad at the doctors, he can still be mad at the doctors and still pump in 30 goals and, and bask <laughs> in the adoration uh, of, of, of playing for, for the Blues. So yeah, it looks like he's not going anywhere next year, unless you're, Somehow you're totally out of the picture or it looks like you're going to be out of the picture around the trade deadline. Why not just roll the dice and, and, uh, and, 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 and see what happens. And we all know Doug Armstrong always works the phones. He always listens, but uh, you know, unless he gets something that just floors him, it looks like that's the way it's, it's, it's headed this year that, that uh, Tarasenko will, will just uh, uh, play out the season and, and who, and who knows. Maybe they'll talk about the uh, a contract that, you know, you're, you're talking two seven and a half million players a year in, uh, in Tarasenko and O'Reilly that are up after next season, but it's not all hopeless. Uh, now the, the blues only have maybe about 10 players under contract after next season, but they have 46 million of cap room. So they've got, they've got some money to, to resign some guys maybe not both of those guys at seven and a half million, but, but they're going to have some money. Yeah. I think I have just come to the conclusion that Tarasenko will play with the blues next season. It just, uh, you know, I think Armstrong was like, you want to be traded fine. You know, I'm not trading you. You know, you play, you know, have you played this well this year with all that going on? I'm, I'm good with having you for another year. Um, you, you know, he was said all the right things during the season. He did not prove to be a distraction. At this point, I don't see 
any reason for Doug Armstrong to trade Vladimir Tarasenko. I, I, I've just recently come around to this. Uh, that he's just it's, at this point, they're like, yeah, we'll we'll keep him. And if he, we may not re-sign him after this after next season, but so what? You know, we'll we'll get thirty goals after him. He'll get along well with Buchnevich and Barbashev and Toropchenko, and it'll be one big happy family. So, um, and now having said that, you know, we'll get the press release in a week. But I think uh, Vladimir <laughs> Tarasenko uh, will 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 be back. Maybe we just be dead wrong again, you know, like the, here on the net front, we just think, oh, well, you know, they've got to, this can't possibly work with the way, with this camp putting out this poisonous stuff. But, uh, you know, life goes on and, and in large measure, you know, give the give the credit to the chief and his coaching staff and the management team for just um, being big boys about the whole thing and, and, and for Vlad for being a big boy about the whole thing and and then moving forward. And, of course, in the St. Louis media versus if this were to happen in Toronto, it might have been harder for them just to uh, to soldier through, but you know, they they would have just kept picking at the scab with you know, twenty seven reporters asking every single day about it. But um, you know, here it's like, okay, well, I guess he's happy. We move on, and so uh, so they did. Uh, JT, looking at the the blue line is more unsettled. Um, certainly, the top three guys are in in place for for the long haul. The much maligned uh, Colton Pareko, Tory Krug coming back from injury, and of course Justin Falk having just a monster year. Um, see nothing there, but um, still trying to figure out the other pieces. You know, looking and trying to do the grades for the group. You know, Pareko finished amazing. I guess I got I gave him a D plus for the first half of the year, mm-hmm. and he was then he had two unbelievable months of just very strong play, um, pretty solid postseason up until Game Six. Um, but then you, but you look at like Marco Scandella, man, he had some good stretches and then he had some bad stretches. And yeah. Nico Nicola, some pretty good stretches. And then, you know, every other month was, was, was bad. And he ends up, of course, being um, uh, on the bench for, for April for the most part. So, uh, and then Perunovic, the X Factor, flashed some stuff, got hurt, showed well in the A, uh, came back, did a, did a little bit coming back from the injury on uh, the power play. So, I, you know, the, to me, JT, the blue, the, the blue line looks like a, a little murkier than the front lines. Oh, for, for sure. For sure. I mean, uh, up front, you have 11 of your top 13 forwards that are under contract uh, for, for next year. Peron and Bozak are the only two that are, that are unrestricted. Uh, it, it would be nice if Letty could be back. I think you'd feel a lot better if he was back in the mix, but uh, I don't have a feel for how much it would take. Certainly the blues aren't going to give him five and a half million, which was his, uh, his uh, average uh, on his last, uh, on his last contract. Mikola, I thought made great strides, still has a ways to go, but it's, it's the same thing with him. It's the, uh, the, uh, the puck movement zone exits. And I think he's gotten better at that. He's, he takes some silly penalties, but uh, you know, he uh, uh, progressed to the point where, uh, uh, what uh, it was one of the uh, overtime games? Was it the uh, the five four game? Where yeah, it was a five four game. They're opening overtime, and there's Mikola out on the ice with Pareko. So if he can be more consistent and avoid some of those valleys that he had, uh, he could be a top four guy. So I, I think he's ready to have a have a bigger role. Scandella, I I don't know what to to, to make of it. He he's he's good. He's bad. He's good. He's bad. He's hurt. He's good. He's bad. And uh, uh, that's kind of how, how, how it goes. Bortuzzo is what, what you get. You're going to get 12, 14 minutes 
of him. Not, not the best skater, but uh, great uh, on the PK and, and uh, uh, it gives you some sandpaper and some grit, uh, some grit out there. Uh, there's just not the, the depth uh, on the blue line and, and really in uh, Springfield, you're going to have Callie Rosen and that's about it. Leo Loof over in Europe. I, I sure would like to see him playing for Springfield. Uh, you know, he, he's probably a little bit uh, uh, a ways away. And, uh, you know, it doesn't look like uh, uh, Tyler Tucker, you know, who has been in camp. It doesn't look like he's like ready to, to make a move. So uh, you're going to have to get, get better play and, and may, maybe hope somehow you can get Letty back. But I, I, I don't know if that's happening. Just looking at the defensemen on this team, it will be there next year. And you would think, you know, Krug, Falk, Pareko, Karunovic, Bortuzzo, Mikula, and Scandella. With Mikula, you got they got to make up their mind. And they got they can't keep him around and have him next year as the seventh guy getting scratched all the time. They either got to play him or they got to trade him. Uh, it just doesn't – I can't see any benefit from having Nico Mikula as your seventh D for another year. If, and if you if Letty's staying, you got to get rid of somebody else. And so if they can find a way to get rid of Scandella, that's what I mean. We've been talking about that for two years probably, and I don't know that it's getting any easier to trade Marco Scandella. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of in a bind, and I think that might even if as much as they like Nick Letty, it's going to force them to make some other move somewhere, and I don't know how that's going to be. Um, yeah, I think Letty's salary is going to come way down from what he got. Um, with his age and at this point in his career, you know, but you think Perunovic is going to be there. They're going to want to play Perunovic. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's going to be a tight squeeze there to make that work. Somebody has got to go and that's what we'll have to see. But I think about, you know, okay. So you have Perunovic in the mix and I think it's uh, and, I, and I think you're right. I think the way that where the NHL is going, and you, and you, you asked this question uh, at, the, at the news conference, and you know, it is going to speed, puck moving is, is essential. The chief points out the size is also critical on the blue line because you have you know, big forwards out there. So for me, it's like in the new NHL, uh, you, maybe you have you both guys as your shutdown defenders have some, some size. And I think Preco moves well enough to play with somebody with size uh, in that way. But then, you know, Krug with a bigger guy and then Perunovic with a bigger guy, have a guy that can help you escape and also have uh, somebody who can help on the back wall and, and in front of the net, you know, trying to, trying to get pucks. So, because when I watched, when you get, you know, Nico and let's say Bortuzzo out there at the same time, um, the problem was when they were in their own zone, that they were never going to get the puck back when they were going against a good, if they got caught out there against, let's say McKinnon's line, um, the puck was, they were, they were going to only hope at some point the avalanche made a uh, horrible mistake passing the puck back toward the point, or they just got so tired they had to leave the ice because there just was, there was no way those two guys were going to be able to, to get a puck away from one of those forwards. Mm -hmm. They were just two, three steps and, you know, oh God, here we go. <laughs> no way. So, I mean, I think there's a way that in a world in the new NHL, JT, where, where Krug and Perunovic can exist in the same six man unit. Yeah, and you, you maybe you start out with uh, Perunovic with Bortuzzo, so you got a skater there. Perunovic gets a little extra minutes, uh, a few more minutes, running the uh, the second power play uh, unit. But uh, you know, 
Perunovic has got to get past, you know, he's a smaller guy. He's got to get past this, this injury thing and he's got to play better defense. I mean, one reason that uh, Baruby decided, ah, I don't want to do 11, seven anymore is because uh, 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 Perunovic went for steal against Cadre and miss and Cadre. That was the, the hat trick night. He, he scored a goal after that. So he's got to, he's got to get better defensively. And, you know, Krug, if you look dating back even to his uh, Boston days, he, you know, and, and for a small guy, he, he, he's physical and, and, and he's not afraid to mix it up. He's got a little bit of the, the badass in him, but he does get hurt. And uh, uh, you, you've got to look at the, this defensive core is, well, one guy is going to be hurt at all times. And we, <laughs> we know that isn't exactly true, but you're, you're going to be missing one guy. Uh, hell, in the, uh, in the Minnesota series, what they, they were missing four of their top six defensemen. And to me, as much of a concern as what do you have coming up and can replace him? Now, I think Perunovic is still waivers exempt. You got Rosen, but I don't know what else is is there. Somehow you got to get some cheaper labor into that uh, into that defensive core, and I I, I don't know uh, I don't know where it is. <clears throat> Decisions will have to be made, and and I and. You know, a world where somehow somebody takes Marco Scandella off the Blues' hands um, would I would help things a lot. Um, who that team is and what they're thinking, I'm not. I'm not sure, but um, that it, it's going to be a squeeze, and some someone's someone's got to go um, out of this mix. You know, if, if Marco could play at the level he reached and for for stretches in the season where he was actually usable. Uh, and, and the shutdown pairing, and, and we're not talking, we're talking about weeks, maybe, maybe stretching it to weeks where he was at that level. If he could be at that level, then he's worth three and a quarter, right? If he can play that. Sure, but yeah. Unfortunately, there were times when he was not. So while he was averaging 22 minutes one month, he may have been, you know, he was found himself playing third line minutes uh, later. So, uh, and, and then looking at, at, at Krug, what I liked about what they did this year in a world without Vince Dunn, um, he got deployed more like he did and in, was in Boston. I mean, over 70% offensive zone starts. He was your lead guy in the power play and uh, as a quarterback and, uh, and quite productive in that role. And I thought that he really found his, his stride before he got hurt again. Um, and, and then he got hurt again, <laughs> but there in between that, what 15 points in 17 games thought really, this is maxing out Tory Krug. You really don't want him burning a ton of minutes. Um, in, in matchup scenarios, you want him you know, offensive zone starts power play. And then, you know, okay. Okay. He's a, he's a decent enough defender, um, mm-hmm. but he, but he's not your shutdown guys. So JT, I thought they found, they really got to where Tory needed to be with this team. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, uh, when, when, uh, when Krug was healthy, that Krug Falk uh, pairing, I mean, they, they, they were cooking because Falk, okay. He isn't the tallest guy. But but he's built thick. He's got a he's got a thick lower torso, and he'll play physical, and he'll he'll muck it up along the uh, boards. And we know, uh, you know, a couple of his fights, he he'll drop his gloves too. So, uh, it's it, it was a good pairing. And uh, uh, again, I, I think one of the keys is is that uh, is is that Krug has to you know has to try to stay healthy. And the power play seemed to work so much better with Krug out there. I was just looking at looking at some numbers. The, among defensemen with more than 100 minutes last season, Marco Scandella, 15th worst Corsi 
uh, percentage in the league, 39%. So, and the worst among among the Blues. I throw that out there. Yeah, and that's not that's not high praise. That's not high praise. <laughs> that good, but uh, but ability is ability. So it is going to be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, there. Now you move on to the goaltending situation, and and uh, and once again, Bennington got back to his uh, form of being a uh, of, of making his mark with the media. We appreciated the fact that he – it wasn't as illuminating as uh, Jock Peterson and uh, the days-long discussion between Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson about their fantasy football league beef and then even drawing in Mike Trout for comments. It wasn't at that that to that level, but the fact he talked about the water throwing water bottle throwing incident was interesting. And then – and JT, uh, he seemed, to, he seemed to, to say the right things about what, what had to be for him a very humbling year and difficult yeah. year to get through. Yeah, yeah. For for him, that's 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 as close you're going to get to Jordan Bennington on the on the couch, you know, uh, uh, being evaluated by his shrink. I mean, he just doesn't open up uh, that much. Thank God, Tom asked him about the uh, the the, the uh, water bottle. But you know, while Perron may be the top priority, it, I I have concern looking at the goaltender picture because based on five games, are we convinced? That Jordan been oh he's back everything's great based on five tremendous five plus I guess because he, he lasted part of game six I think Huso's gone uh, although uh, you know he 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 played poorly in the playoffs I think he showed enough in the regular season and it's not there's not a whole lot out there in the goaltender market uh, he he he's going to get a decent deal with at least a chance to be a uh, uh, a one a so then what do you have uh okay charlie lindgren bring him up well you got to resign him he's unrestricted he's still playing springfield's still playing hofer has 50 a mere 50 uh professional uh starts 52 if you count as two starts with st louis uh on almost in almost any organization they'll tell you he needs another year in junior so so you lose who so do you take a take a, one resign Lindgren? Take the risk that 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 he's not just a career minor leaguer. That his stupendous uh, what was it month of December that uh, with the Blues that that there's something real to that and 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 you can have Hofer down there getting some much you know Hofer needs to play. He doesn't need to be a once a week goalie. He's 21 years old. But what if Bennington has another another slump, another bad slump, and Huso wasn't there? So. The, to me, this is uh, from afar. This is this is uh, kind of worrisome. The the goaltending picture. Yeah, you know, in a lot of ways, Billy Huso was the most valuable player on the Blues because when Bennington hit that slump, if it had been to turn back the clock, you know, Chad Johnson as the backup, who Ooh. knows what happens to that <laughs> oh. season? Well, I mean, we know what happens, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, you okay there, are, Jeff? Are you all right? Oh, that's a bad flashback there. Sorry. <laughs> So things could, you know, things could could have really gone off the rails on this season if Huso had not stepped in the way he did. But yeah, the tough part is going to be that both Huso and Lindgren are unrestricted free agents. And you, what kind of you, what kind of deal do you give Lindgren when you think you still might sign Huso if there's a chance? Unless you completely, unless the Blues completely say we are not getting Billy Huso back, then you can make a deal with Lindgren. And maybe you see if someone else is on the market too, and when, when free agency begins. But 
yeah, it's it's a it's a bind as to what the Blues will do with that backup goalie situation because they know that that guy could end up between Bennington getting hurt or between Bennington hitting a slump. And the Blues have certainly seen goalies, Jake Allen, hit slumps, hit major slumps in the course of their seasons, and they got to be prepared for that. Yeah, if you look around the NHL, it is just what happens at that position is crazy. You know, I mean, between teams moving on, good teams moving on from goaltenders, uh, just saying, you know what, we're just going to turn the page and go a different direction. You know, the Carolina did that. Colorado did that. Toronto did that. You know, good teams, good teams with, with aspirations that had, you know, good years. So, yeah, you know, uh, we'll do something else. And then you look at all the guys getting hurt, the way guys are allowed to run into the goaltenders. I mean, it just it's trying to figure out the goaltending market from year to year is, is crazy. So, uh, you know, and, you know, like you say, JT, you just, you don't really, it's encouraging with Jordan that there's hope there that he learned from all this and he's mentally tougher from it, but we have to see, you know, he certainly said all the right things and he's a proven winner to a degree. And, but like every other team, it's like, yeah, goaltending, who knows? Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. Have, to, have to figure it out now. What we do know, JT, is that a lot of teams are looking for coaches, and uh, Doug Armstrong did made his best sales pitch on behalf of his guys because, uh, you know, Steve Ott's an up-and-coming coach. Uh, Jim Montgomery's been a highly successful college and NHL coach. Mike Van Ryan's been a, a minor league coach, developmental coach, and a successful assistant coach, played in the league forever. All three guys should be considered for openings, and, and it sounds like Doug's willing to give them all a hearty recommendation. Well, a when you run an organization, a successful organization, you should expect your staff to get rated. Bill Armstrong is now a, a general manager. Uh, and Rob DeMeo, uh, where'd he go? Was it San Jose or Anaheim? He's Anaheim. And, and it's, uh, uh, moved up. And so you want that for your people. And so in the long run, it helps your organization because you're able to hire more qualified guys. But he sounded like, not only did he sound like he was willing to have them move on, to me anyway, sound like he was expecting maybe not necessarily for them to move on but for them to get interviews because what what did he say yes i'm compiling my list of replacements right now so i think he's expecting something to happen at least in terms of interviews and yeah i guess otter's got enough seasoning now i guess and uh montgomery you know after the uh the, the crash and burn in 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 dallas uh uh, with the uh, with the drinking issue, I, I think it certainly looks like he's rehabilitated himself. Uh, his image wise, he, he did a great job getting the uh, the uh, the Blues uh, penalty kill back to you know uh, better than they've been in in, in quite some time. So uh, you know, I, I wonder. Drew Bannister has done such a great job uh, at the uh, AHL level and and has uh, Springfield in the. Uh, what are they in the final four right now? I don't think they've lost a playoff game yet. You know, now, now they've been playing best of five series. Uh, do you bring him up? And he, certainly he would be a guy that, uh, that uh, would work with your younger players on the, uh, on the team. But uh, yeah, it definitely looks like there might be uh, some movement in terms of the blues coaching staff. There's a lot of coaches out there though. I mean, you know, Barry Trotz, Pete DeBoer. I mean, there, there's a lot of, quality NHL coaches out there. Mike Yo is on the market, I believe. Um, uh, you know, yeah. So uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways uh, it can go. So, but for teams looking for, for fresh blood and, and, and I think that's something that was, is going to work in 
and Ott's and Van Ryn's favor is if you're looking for a new guy uh, who hasn't, who's not a recycled coach, um, you know, they are certainly uh, legitimate options there. You know, Dallas, Ott played for years in Dallas. Um, that's, you know, a, a team you would think would have some interest um, in him. The players, the Blues players love Montgomery. They, they, the guys, they think Monty's a great guy. So, um, you know, there's good recommendations probably in all quarters for the Blues. Yeah, JT, I have to think that Montgomery gets a, gets a shot here because, you know, he, until what happened happened, I mean, he was a hell of a coach, you know, and they came within an inch or two a couple of times of getting past the Blues during that cup year. And who knows what Dallas, they may have had enough in the tank to make the same run the Blues did, right? So, uh, hell of a coach. And it, I look around, I see, I can see uh, Quinville getting back in if he can get past Gary Bettman, which is a big if because of what happened in Chicago with the uh, sweeping under the rug of the uh, sexual uh, issue. You know, it looks like Dave Tippett doesn't want to coach anymore. Pierre LeBron doubts that Mike Babcock's going to get much love. But uh, to Tom's point, yeah, there are, there's some big names out there, but some of these big names want big money, right? You know, that's part of the trouble too, because Barry Trotz is, he's going to get 4 million to sit at home. So somebody's going to have to pay him. And, and there are some teams that won't pay their coach a lot, you know, or at least yeah. a, a ton. And, and again, that's where maybe Otten Van Ryan have a shot. Yeah. They, the, the NHL though, to me, seems like a league that really likes to recycle coaches. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although let's look at the job that Woodcroft's done in Edmonton. There's a young guy. Look at how they've flourished under him. And, and maybe that'll, that'll cause some teams to say it. Let's go younger. Let's get a uh, let's get a fresh face. Jeff, what when when uh, Tom though uh, mentioned Mike Yo, were you just clearing your throat? What was what was happening there? <laughs> just you know, again, you know, I just I feel so bad because you know I think we all like Mike Yo a lot, and I just feel bad for him. I feel bad the way it ended here, which was really tough to watch because he man just didn't have any answers. And then man, they just sent that guy out to die in Philly, <laughs> uh, and just like into a t- tough market. They said, you know what? We're just, you're just going to take ritual beatings and this is how you're going to be remembered in life as the guy that took ritual beatings in Philly. I mean, I just feel, I mean, he still wanted to be a head coach and I understand why he took the assignment, but my God, Oh, I mean, will he, do you ever recover from something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's someone's going to hire him in his assistant coach somewhere. I, I would think, but uh, yeah, it might uh, for a guy that's been a head coach now, three teams, it just it hasn't worked for him yet. And again, we we that we like the guy. He was a, he was a good solid guy. But hey, I like Davis Payne, right? I'm not sure Davis is going <laughs> to get another shot. Uh, another good guy. So uh, we'll see about that. Well, this will that's it for this edition of Netfront Presence. We will be back at some point. There is a draft coming up. There is free agency. Everything's sort of pushed back this year with the schedule uh, running differently due to all the, the pandemic fun. But uh, we will be back at least a couple times this summer to see what's going on with the Blues. But until next time, for Jim Thomas, hardworking beat reporter Tom Timmerman, likewise, who is uh, also uh, getting eager to see some more soccer this summer. Uh, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Netfront Presence. Until next time, see ya. Yeah.